Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following content is not suitable for children. Spicing it up. Ooh, what are we going to talk about? All the external things that people use and do? Couples do lots of things to introduce novelty. Pornography, vibrators, toys, drugs. Oh, my, gosh. Oh my Who gosh. knows? All right, we're going to help we're gonna couples We're going to take it today. away. Okay. Take it away. Welcome to Foreplay Radio, Couples and Sex Therapy. I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fallon, your couples therapist. And we are passionate about talking about sex and helping you develop a way to talk to each other. Our mission is to help our audience develop a healthier relationship to sex that integrates the mind, the heart, and the body. All right, Lori, so we always assess it and try to help couples have conversations around things that are going to be gas pedals and improve the levels of engagement in their sexual relationship or breaks, things that turn them off and make them not want to have sex. Mm-hmm. And this is just another category, right? External factors, things outside their immediate relationship that often couples bring to spice things up, mm-hmm. but sometimes can really dampen things down. Yeah, that's for sure. And the same thing can be either a gas pedal or a break, right? I mean, not necessarily generic categories of good and bad things. People just feel differently about them. And sometimes a couple, sometimes the partners feel differently about the same thing. Oftentimes, (laughs) what's a gas pedal for one is a break for the other. And they can't talk about it. That's just mathematically a problem. Yep. Yep. So that what we're hoping to do today is just to open up some space to kind of talk about what could work, what could not work about these things and set the stage for you to have a conversation with your partner. Okay. So let's talk about porn. I mean, right. right. There's no denying that porn is erotic. I mean, seeing other people make love, seeing naked bodies, seeing something sexual happening on screen. I mean, it just... It can make our bodies respond even if we think it's dumb or if we don't like the content. You know, our bodies are just kind of wired to respond to that and get aroused and get excited. Right. I mean, there's visual stimulation, there's auditory stimulation. Yes. There, it starts to trigger the erotic thinking of the yes. brain, right? So had, on lots I of levels, a, it's stimulating. I had a woman tell me, you know, like she didn't like to watch porn, but she really liked to listen to porn. You know, just because of all the sounds and stuff, that was super exciting to her. Right. And so you can see how it can be a gas pedal for certain members. And we also know there's a big problem with lots of people who get so kind of used to their brain being turned on by porn that it causes them not to be present with their partner, right? They're thinking about something else. They're not fully present. Right. It yes. takes them out of the present moment with their partner. And it lands pretty terribly for the partner. Right. When you, you're with somebody who's not really there. Right. I think this is kind of the objection to porn is, you know, does it take us away from our partner? 
um, men and women watch porn, although I will say only men pay for porn, basically. Women will not give up resources for porn, but they will watch it. But I, I think that that's a central objection, especially in this age. You know, women tell me, I really, I really want to have sex. And my partner is kind of spent because he's already done it with the screen. That, right. that, that feels like a competing attachment. Exactly. It wouldn't make sense why that then feels like a break. My partner's not really here. We'd rather be with someone else who's thinking about somebody else. I'm not attractive. I'm not enough. I can't measure up. Right? Then it becomes a huge break for the partner. It does. It does. And I, I think that still women feel that their partners would prefer the way that woman looks. You know, the huge boobs or great butt or whatever that they don't have. So they're comparing themselves. Although I just think... I don't know. I, I don't know that it's particular for men. I think it's just naked women, you know, hot women, well, naked men women. men do the same thing. I mean, do you see a man in pornography that don't have a huge penis? Right. <laughs> right. Talk about comparing and maybe not feeling up for it. Ooh. You wonder why most men have uh, faulty assumptions around the average penis size when every pornography they see is an elephant-sized penis. Yes. Yes. I, I agree. <laughs> I love the statement that a priest told me one day. He said, what's wrong with porn is not what it shows, it's what it doesn't show. It gives such a limited physical performance focus, you know, and it leaves out, you know, all these emotional forms of communication, the spiritual, getting people in their body. So, you know, what is the type of porn you're watching? I think mm -hmm. the fun mm -hmm. thing today, there are so many different types of porn, mm -hmm. porn made by women, porn made by couples that just kind of share porn, porn, light porn. You know, sometimes people, it's just books. It's the erotic fantasy they're trying to create. Yeah. Erotica comes in other forms too, other than visual, right? I mean, romantic novels and sexy stuff. I mean, that's another kind of fantasy about sex that maybe isn't our own, but we're enticed by it, excited by it. That there seems to be a real difference in like my church friends about reading erotica and watching porn. Like both of them introducing the other, mm -hmm. but the watching of it, I you know, somehow or another, I guess it is much more taboo than the reading about it. What do you think about that? I think it's two different forms of the same thing. So it's interesting. I was shocked to hear women spend more money on erotic novels than men spend on porn. No, no, that's not true. Not true? <laughs> no. None but of these it, false. But erotic novels are a billion dollar industry, but no, porn outweighs by a landslide. I mean, everything. The, the search right, is on the internet. No, listeners, no, no, no. please see if Laurie and I are right on this no. and just let us know. <laughs> uh, still, though, you're right. Erotica and romantic novels are a billion-dollar industry. But there isn't I, a problem with George, that. George, why am I a sex therapist? I should have been an erotic novel writer. I love. I would love to do that. You could do both. Uh, yeah. Tell us a story, Laurie. All the time in the world to tell the story. Well, your question's a good one. Why is one seen more acceptable than the other? They're both introducing external. One's just more visual and one's more just mm -hmm. in the imagination. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I probably think that 
just on the positive side of it, right? Sometimes to get going, to get aroused, it makes sense to introduce and borrow somebody else's fantasy about sex. Mm-hmm. I think men typically are more visual, so they like that. I think, you know, there's a lot of women out there that are visual, though, George, that love the way the male body looks, you know, want to see a hot male body, too. Um, I I don't see as many women talking about, you know, yeah, I really you know want a huge penis, you know, really watch porn for the huge penis. I really don't hear about that much. But I do think kind of the whole form, they they like that. And I think the passion of it, you know, seeing a man really turned on is exciting for a lot of women. But I, I don't know where I was going with this here. Well, the, the, <laughs> the porn is focused more on the visual and the, the carnal, visual, right? Yeah. And the, that just really physical act where it's not surprising that the novels are focused more on the emotional side of it. You know, the teasing, mm-hmm. the building, the scene, the anticipation and all that stuff. And I, we think both are great. How do we get couples to talk about why that's a gas pedal for them, right? Yeah. And if it's a break for the other person, to be able to talk about that. Like, it's also totally okay. You know, if your sp- spiritual or religious beliefs are this is wrong and it's not for me, right? It's not for us. It's, if you're on the same page, that's what matters the most as a couple, yeah. right? If you feel like that's introducing sin or it's introducing something external and you want to keep it between the two of you and you're both on the same page for that, that's, that's great. We're not here to judge people's choices in the bedroom. What we want to no. do is facilitate a space to have a conversation with each other. And we want to honor and respect different cultural beliefs and different religious beliefs and you know, faith choices that say, okay, this isn't for me, don't want this. And I I suppose as a therapist, you know, I'm always right in the middle of the conflict with people, you know, one person feeling, sometimes they watch porn and they still feel guilty about it, but it feels Mm -hmm. like they still do it. And I'm not even talking about addiction or compulsion. It's just, you know, (laughs) super exciting and it's a lift for their day. It brings in a moment of relief. It's it's probably like chewing a stick of gum or something. You know, it's like it's it's fresh and minty. You know, it, it just is a good little lift. But then their partner says, you know what, you're introducing this during the day. And, you know, even if they don't masturbate to it, they, they still can watch it. That That's what I hear from a lot of men. But then their partner finds out their female yeah. partner and it's... You know, it feels really offensive, really like they're being taken away. Even oh, sometimes, I, even sometimes, George, with women who don't want to have sex that much, they object to it. It's like, you know, why are you, why are you doing that? I mean, maybe it's the moral objection, but or the competitive ob- objection. Well, I think if if you take a healthy perspective that says, what are the results? Is this helpful for your relationship, or is it hurtful for your relationship? I think there. There should be a warning label with anything that we're going to introduce outside of our relationship. Yeah. You know, I know I work with a lot of young men who have a really difficult time being intimate with a partner because their brain is so used to the stimulation of pornography and the control that that gives that when they're with a real person, it don't work. Right. Right. So again, who's who's talking to? They can't get as aroused. They can't get as hot. They can't get the stimulation that they're yeah, getting through yeah. the visual, right? If they're just with a partner and, and that's a problem. And that's something that's that, you know, problem. people have to be aware of. 
that you what you're introducing could make the real thing hotter or could make the real thing a little bit spicy right so that's really what the hope of today is just to help couples have a conversation with each other yeah how do you feel about porn what what are the breaks what's the gas it's a hard one if there's already been hurt and tension about it we know that we know that it's going to be a hard conversation but what doesn't work is not talking about it if one person's watching porn in secret, the other person's feeling betrayed by it, and they can't have a conversation about it. And before you know it, 10 years have gone by, and the sex between the two probably has plummeted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? If that couple can have a conversation around what is it about the porn that turned you on? What can we do? Mm-hmm. What is it like that? All of a sudden, now we could start finding some common ground and start coming coming back together. There can be an opportunity into some really deep, vulnerable places for both people in this conversation. That's what I love about gas pedals and brakes, right? It gets to its really core places in the self that you know often are not discussed, and that's the opportunity here for everyone listening. Okay, before we quit and go on break, I want to say one last thing about a break that you know just came up for me is. A lot of women say, we used to have, essentially, I think what they're describing is more vanilla sex, you know, used to make love, different positions, not not saying that they're boring, but now my partner wants me to do all these other things mm-hmm. that he's seen in porn, and he's wanting it a lot more, and I, I don't, you know, and he's dissatisfied with what used to make us both really happy, uh, yes. and that, that feels bad to her, and Maybe some of it is she doesn't want to do the other things, but some of it is just, I think she's responding to his dissatisfaction with what used to feel loving right. and exciting to her. So just another little break. No, it's great. It's something looks really cool. And then you try it like, damn, that hurts. How the hell does that person do that position for so long? And, right. And then you start comparing yourself and feeling uh, like you're coming up short. And yes, yeah. it's all right. Okay. Well, let's come back and talk more about external factors okay may 20th is our couple's retreat so great sex great love you can find it on our website on foreplayradiosextherapy.com and we just invite you as a couple to come and join us on may 20th it's friday it's all day we talk all about sex we talk about everything and we do it in a way that's safe and not embarrassing But if you come, you will have conversations you've never had before. Yes. So May 20th, again, great sex, great love. Please join us. Come on. Uberlube. Find uberlube.com and use the coupon foreplay. It is silicone based. It is a wonderful lubricant. I have people and I've been recommending it forever, not just because they sponsor us, but I am so grateful for their sponsorship for us on the podcast. But really... I have had two people this week tell me, you're right, Uberlube is really great. I'm like, right, right, it's silicone, so it doesn't get gummy. And so many of the other water-based lubricants get gummy. They don't feel good. Some of them you get allergic to. I don't like them. This one, I've never heard a bad report. It won't stain your sheets. It is something that you can even use in water, which I didn't know, but it doesn't wash off in water. So that could make like jacuzzi sex really, really fun. So try that again, uberlube.com with the coupon foreplay that helps us at the podcast. Please order some travel ones, you know, summer's coming. So order some of those travel packs that you can take 
uberloop.com for play is the coupon. Thanks so much. And George, there's hardly any clitoral stimulation in porn. I mean, it's all about intercourse, right? And they, mm. they have intercourse, intercourse, intercourse forever. A little I just, bit of oral sex, but that's about it, right? Well, yeah, women on men, usually, right? Hardly ever do you really see a man giving a woman cunnilingus. Can, can you say that three times? You know our ratings go up. <laughs> cunnilingus, cunnilingus, cunnilingus. You got to say it right, though. <laughs> I know. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm learning. It'll take me time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess a little bit. Sometimes they show that, too, but... It, I think it's probably a harder shot, right? You can't see as much as you can with oral sex for a male, fellatio. So they they show what is visual. And for a woman, that's it's hard to see that. And I think so many women, it, it just doesn't show really how to stimulate and how to bring a woman to orgasm. That's, that's my complaint. Oh, I think they also, what they show is perfectly shaped and formed and it causes women to you know not want to see their own packages which mm-hmm. then makes it more of a break and just one last little criticism they show female genitalia that is standardized so right. it's all small labia it's all like medium clitorises hairless you know and, and it's just it's the same vulva over and over and over whereas women right. it's like this huge wide variety of how she looks and then I hate it because women tell me, you know, I don't, I don't look right. I'm like, what do you mean you don't look right? Mm-hmm. You know, you're beautiful. No, that's a really important thing to highlight. That there is no perfect shape or form and what it looks like. It's so different. That is what is normal. Yeah. And what is perceived or projected out there in pornography is not doing that. Right. Okay, what other external factors are we going to talk about? Well, some couples like having some gummies or a couple drinks to loosen things up. Other couples want to introduce toys, take Mm. out that vibrator. Okay, wait, wait. Let's go back to gummies and alcohol. So many people have a couple cocktails before they have sex in the evening. That's a disinhibitor. And I kind of think that that works, just putting away the racing thoughts of the day, the cares of the day. I'm not advocating alcoholism, but, and same with gummies, right? Many people use gummies to get loosened up. And I think the side effect of it is, you know, what I hear, they feel more desire and feel horny when they use it. And now that it's legalized in several states, we're going to figure out, I think, with better research, just what it does do to sexual arousal and our bodies. I think I said this recently on a podcast, but, you know, some of my breast cancer patients use it and it alleviates pain, genital pain that, you know, they have because they don't have estrogen. So they they get horny and then they don't have pain. I mean, that's a blessing. And maybe you're against using THC, but that one, I'm sorry, kids, that's a blessing. When you've been down with cancer and you can feel desire and your body doesn't hurt when you have sex, yay that. Yay that. Sounds like a gas pedal to me. Yeah. Right. And flip side of it, because you know I like doing that. (laughs) Right. 
for some my, people. My straight we get to the, ex-policeman, go ahead. Where we get to the break, I mean, I do think, too, it's more than just what it's doing. It's the anticipation of that, knowing you're going to have a glass of wine, knowing it's set in the stage, knowing, you know, it's likely that after dinner you're going to have sex. I mean, there's, there's something that really starts to prime the pump that that becomes symbolic of, right? I asked my husband last night, so is this like a whiskey night or <laughs> – do I yeah. need to burn calories on whiskey or can I can I burn some calories on whiskey? Nice. That was my intro. Go for it, Derek. Every couple has their own language. Are we gonna have sex tonight or are we not gonna have sex tonight? It's so usually in code, right? Night. I like that. Uh-huh. I like the couples that leave the door open or closed. There's so many symbols that are scattered for what we're gonna do tonight when <laughs> couples just can't talk directly about it. You know, but the flip side of it is Alcohol and drugs can be a huge problem, right? So if you're counting the number of drinks, just the smell oh, of alcohol yeah, yeah, on yeah. your partner's breath is going to be a huge turnoff for yeah. you, right? It's going to be like, oh, my partner's not really present. Mm-hmm. My partner's kind of falling asleep. My partner's not engaged. Again, it's the lack of engagement that so often becomes the break. And I think the fear I hear from people, like my partner needs to drink before they have sex with me. Like, why do they need to obliviate a little bit what's wrong with me you know it it goes to some sort of view of self where they feel like okay my partner their their drinking is saying something about me my partner is saying they don't want to be with me sober right which i just wish those couples would have sex in the morning you know like could could you just not have sex in the morning because then you're sober and fresh okay we're always talking about that therapeutic window like not enough stimulation doesn't work or too much stimulation doesn't work. You're trying to keep people in their sweet spot. So if that alcohol kind of gets you primed, cool. But a lot of times it it actually puts you to sleep, right? Mm-hmm. It actually causes you to, you know, Whis- your, your plumbing not Whiskey to work so what? well. Whiskey what? <laughs> Whiskey slicky, right? <laughs> Something. So again, Couples can have a conversation around this. Hey, this is what I like about that glass of wine before dinner. Mm -hmm. And this is what kind of might turn me off. And usually it's one in one. Mm -hmm. So let's have this conversation versus avoiding it. And one more gas pedal. I think there's something nice about the ritual to me. It is a signal in my partnership, but I love it when my husband says, hey, can I make you a drink? It's like so sexy, you know, and it's so thoughtful. It's like thinking about me. It's pouring the drink, mixing it, getting the ice. I, the, the whole thing, it is auditory. It's like clink, clink, go the ice cubes. I'm like, whoo, okay, I'm I'm getting there. You know, it's just I hear it, the whole invitation. Yeah. I don't know. It's a ritual that is an invitation and an invitation into not just sex, but into downtime with him, into talking, intimacy. Mm-hmm. You know, I love all that. How many doctors, you know, if you're struggling to have a child and you're going mm-hmm. through infertility and all these kind of stresses and the doctor says, you know what, just put all that aside, go home, have a glass of wine <laughs> and just enjoy your partner. Just do it. Right. Been a bunch of babies born that way. Yeah. Right? So again, there's some, there's some value to that and there could be some risk to it. Right. What about toys? Toys. Yay. Introducing that vibrator, you know, the whips, the feathers, <laughs> the handcuffs, whatever. The honey things. dust, all of those fun accoutrements. 
to just spice up the moment. You know, there's there are a million toys. We at Awakenings, we have a Christmas party at, you know, a Dirty Santa Christmas party. And you should see all the presents. <laughs> wow. Know, all of us sex therapists, you know, there's whips and handcuffs and vibrators and G-strings. And just we have a lot of fun. Well, I've been amazed at how many couples that are not really too open to toys, never experience toys, and then get a vibrate of what a difference that can make. And it would make sense if most women can't orgasm during intercourse and you get a vibrate and all of a sudden they're having orgasms. So that yeah. like can change the game. Yeah. And last week when you weren't here, we talked about how to use a vibrator on the podcast. Wow. So <laughs> I'm going to have to listen you, you to that missed, one. You missed that one. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, buddy. Well, it certainly could be that gas pedal, mm-hmm. right? But if if that toy is making the partner feel like you'd rather have the vibrator than me, I'm no longer needed. It becomes that competing attachment again. It causes the partner to not be engaged, and it starts to cause distance in the moment, which then becomes a problem. It makes sense why sometimes toys are a break, or maybe toys go against your values, mm-hmm. right? It's, that's not what we're supposed to do. And you know that's okay, too. We just want to give you space to talk about your breaks. Why is this thing a turnoff? And can your partner help you with that? Can we reduce some of those breaks? Or maybe then you know we got to compromise and put aside some of these gas pedals. Yeah, I think vibrators are so mainstream now. There's not as much resistance as there was maybe 10, 15 years ago to it. People are more relaxed about the whole thing. But I did talk to somebody recently who said, you know, but why? I just, I don't want to have to need that. And I'm like, yeah, but what what about sometimes? What about every 15th time? You know, like just, I think sometimes... If you're going to make love to the same person every, all your life, bringing in a few things that make it spicy, that that can be fun. I, I no, just, I, I think there are some couples out there that are just really well matched, and they don't need a lot of things, mm-hmm. and they can have great sex for, you know, their whole relationship. So if that's you, you don't need toys. Cool, but mm-hmm. you know, most couples being able to introduce some novelty that actually increases their levels of engagement and excitement with each other. Why not explore it? To me, you win either way. Either it works and it's fun or it doesn't. And then you get to talk to each other about why that didn't work. You know, I didn't like that. That made me feel bad. It made me feel like you weren't there. All right, great. Then that's a doorway into, into deeper connection too. I think too, what you're saying is so important because it's the discussion that really brings out our vulnerability. And that's what we learn from the research, that novelty later in the relationship is actually something that increases our experience, our deeper erotic experience with our partner, because we have to talk about it. We have to say, hey, this is this is what I've fantasized about. This is what I've thought about. What, what have you thought about? <laughs> you know, and in that safe place, after making love to that person for some number of years, hopefully we have security and we can tell each other these sort of deeper fantasies and secrets and yep. and i know for some people that can be threatening it's like oh you know have they, they can take it the wrong way are what is what we're doing not enough for you or wow you've been thinking about all these things and you never open up to me about it that doesn't feel so good you know why haven't you right. trusted me earlier i think that's what's said it comes from a place of love 
people don't want to hurt their partner. They don't want to get rejected. They mm -hmm. don't want to be seen differently. So they hide or cut off these parts of themselves. And it's mm -hmm. such a missed opportunity. So we're hoping these external factors conversation just force you to talk more about sex. Most of us don't grow up talking about this. So I guarantee if you bring up vibrator, you're going to have a conversation. Or, so, or anal plug, or what other kind of fun things can we talk about? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and men like vibrators too, different kinds. And there's that kind, you know, just, just for the record now that you... Oh, do we have to quit? Oh, we have to quit. Wow, Lori's leaving us with a teaser. <laughs> this vibrator that does something none of us know. We'll have to do another show on that. Yes, we will. Okay, thanks for listening. Keep it hot, y'all. Call in your questions to the 4Play Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY, the number 4, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by 4Play Media. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.